Being seated, go ahead, whether you are in person or online, find yourself a Bible and open it up and turn it with turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, I concur with what Paul said, that it was just really good to hear voices in the room singing. Hey, uh, as a pastor, Easter has kind of like brought back all these memories from a year ago. When we were all, a year ago this time, we were all in like isolation, isolation. Uh, and it's just so nice to, to be in the room together, to uh, be celebrating the risen Lord together and to hear your voices. Uh, even though sometimes whenever we sing in church, we sing like in 20 different keys, to, you know, uh, it, it's neat to just hear the beautiful sounds of God's people praising Him. So, if the resurrection did not happen, then the message and mission of Jesus Christ fall to the ground like empty clothes. Of all the different doctrines, of all the different rich truths of our faith, uh, none is more important than the resurrection. And the resurrection is also perhaps one of the most experiential doctrines that we have because it lands in each of our lives. The resurrection is all about what does it mean to be alive? How do we understand life? Is there anything beyond death? Or do we ultimately live in a prison of isolation and darkness for all eternity? So the traditional symbol of Christianity is the cross. And in no way, don't hear me wrong on this, because in no way am I going to discount the cross. Uh, without the cross... There is no forgiveness of sin. Without the cross, creation would continue to suffer from a fractured soul, incapable of being reset, incapable of healing on its own. Uh, it is on the cross that Jesus took on your sins. He took on my sins. It is on the cross that Jesus took on death. It is on the cross that Jesus fulfilled the holy requirements of the Old Testament law so that the debt of sin may be, as Jesus proclaimed, paid in full. But you may have never realized this, that the cross and the resurrection are inseparable events. They actually find their full meaning in one another. You need the resurrection just as much as you need the cross. Now, many of us in our theology, our understanding of God, we have a well-developed understanding of the cross and a very anemic understanding of the resurrection because we have inadvertently relegated the, re the resurrection to one week a year this week, right? But the resurrection is actually vital to our understanding of Jesus, to our understanding of God, and beyond that, to our experience of this journey that we call life. You see, Christ didn't rise again just so that we could change the music from sad to happy, or so that the book would end with a good ending. The resurrection is the moment where God changes everything. He changes everything about how you and I experience life. Easter is much more than an abstract theological concept about an event that occurred 2,000 years ago. 
the resurrection brings definition to what it means to be alive, and it also brings definition to life beyond. Because when you understand life through the lens of the resurrection, death no longer becomes the end destination of life. Instead, death becomes the portal through which we pass from life here on earth to life with God in heaven. In short, what we celebrate today is a lot more than the beginning of spring or rabbits, eggs, candy, a Baylor final visit, uh, whatever you would call it, and roast beef. We celebrate today what the Bible calls the resurrection power. And I want to talk to you today about this idea of the resurrection power. This is a sermon you may have to lean into a little bit to allow your mind to get around the concepts. But look with me to Philippians chapter 3. If you have a Bible, open it up. If it's on your phone, turn it on. Just stick with the Scripture, okay? Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 is where we're going to be uh, beginning here. But everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Now more than that, I also consider everything to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of Him I have suffered, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ." And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Now, check out verse, verse 10 here. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. So let's talk in our time together about what the Bible calls here the power of the resurrection. And I want you to see a few things about what this means. And the first is this, that the resurrection has surpassing value. So look with me again in verse 8. Uh, you'll, see it, you'll see it right there. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of what? Knowing Christ. How many of you have ever heard of something called an NFT? Anybody ever heard of an NFT in the room? It's, called a, it's a non-fungible token. And apparently, it's becoming a big deal, particularly in the area of art and collectibles. Essentially, here's, here's my little knowledge of it. They have figured out how to sell ownership of artwork or collectibles like your Roger Stallback 1977 football card, things like that. They've figured out how to sell ownership of collectibles digitally. And so someone can create graphic art, and then they can sell it, or digital art, I should say, and then they could sell it uh, 
on, on the World Wide Web and, and, and make money, and then every time it's passed on, they make more money. So this is a big breakthrough in the world of collectibles. So in late February, Christie's Auction House sold a piece of art called Every Days. This artist, for 5,000 days in a row, produced some digital art, and then they put it all together, and they sold this art as an NFT, and and guess how much money it made? $69.3 million. That's right, Johnny needs to take art class, right? So what this means is that someone out there had $69.3 million to spend. Now, that's a lot of food, water, and shelter. Richard, we could buy a lot of barbecue with $69.3 million, couldn't we? Uh, You could buy a really nice house with $69.3 million. You could do a lot of mission work, a lot of humanitarian work with $69.3 million. But somebody somewhere was sitting there, saw this, and said, you know what? I'm going to open the vault because I need that. That's surpassing value to them. They found something that was so valuable to them that they were willing to take something that can bring them security and and houses and things like that and exchange it for this. Surpassing value means that you have found something that has so much value to you that what you currently have loses its appeal because you want this so much. And if you look at Paul in chapter 3, at the beginning of the chapter, he has laid out his resume. And this guy was accomplished. He was a first-round draft pick. He had so much going for him. He was educated. uh, He was ambitious. He was hardworking. He was intelligent. He had been successful in his career as a tent maker, he ran a 4440 and can bench press 500 pounds. I mean, this guy, he had everything going for you. You know, the kind of guy that, you know, they have one or two things going for him, and you're like, oh, I like that. Good guy. Good, good for him. But this guy had so much going for him, you're like, ugh, right? Just everything going for him. But then one day on the road to Damascus, Paul found something of surpassing value. And what was it? What did he say it was? Do you remember? Christ Jesus, my Lord. And when the Apostle Paul discovered Christ Jesus as his Lord, suddenly everything made sense for him. Suddenly the ultimate questions of life, questions like uh, where did we come from, why are we here, where are we going, those questions became answered in knowing Christ, the insatiable appetite of success that had driven this man, that had caused him to do things that he should not have done, that insatiable appetite of success found satisfaction finally whenever he understood the surpassing value of knowing Christ. And so Paul says, listen, this this is my game changer. When I discovered what it means to have Jesus Christ as my Lord, everything else that I'd ever done, I considered them to be dung. That's the Bible's words, not mine. Have you ever found the surpassing value of the resurrection. Let me tell you, it'll set you free. Because when you understand the surpassing value of the resurrection, 
then you understand why it is that you're here, why you take up air, why, why you take up space, why you take in air. You begin to reframe life and have answers to those ultimate questions. Once you find Christ, everything changes. Now catch this, Christ is not a vehicle that you ride to the finish line. Jesus is the finish line. He is the destination. Our goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Now there's a second thing that I I want you to notice about the power of the resurrection. And this one is found in verse 9. So look with me there in your Bibles. If the person next to you is asleep, go ahead and wake them up at this moment. There you go. Verse 9 is where I just spilled water all over myself. It's class act right here, I'm telling you. Yeah. (laughs) Did it again. Yeah. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having, here's our word, righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Now, you're probably familiar with the idea that on the cross, Jesus took your place. That idea of Jesus dying for us on the cross Theologically, the theological term there is substitutionary atonement. But have you ever envisioned Jesus putting on the orange orange jumpsuit of prison? Jesus going into the dark cell of death? Have you ever thought that Jesus took on your liabilities? That he was sentenced to the prison cell of death? And that he was contained in death for a period of time because of your liabilities and mine. Because of your sin and mine. But then on Sunday, the high court of heaven issues the discharge. And Jesus is released from the prison of death. He is released from the liabilities that he had taken on on our behalf. And the prison door opens, the stone is rolled away, and Jesus emerges from this place called death, bringing with him the power of righteousness. So that as he took your place on the cross, he now brings to your life and mine the power of forgiveness. On the cross, Jesus died as the representative of humanity taking on the full extent of sin. The extent of the fall is the extent of the atonement. Jesus dies on the cross, making way, making uh, atonement so that all can be saved. Through the resurrection, Jesus becomes the representative of righteousness, redeeming from death all who believe. Now here's what this means. My sins were paid in full through the atoning death of Jesus Christ. But my redemption has been secured in full through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because of that, you are safe in His hands. When you are a believer in Christ, 
God sees you in Christ, and you are pronounced righteous, even though we all know the reality that none of us are perfect. All of us have fallen short. All of us say things we shouldn't, think things that we shouldn't, do things that we shouldn't do. Yet God sees us as righteous, not because we followed the law, but because he sees us in Christ. Christ fulfilled the law and conquered death, and God sees me in him. And because of that, through the power of the resurrection, I find security and safety and love, and I live in grace knowing that I belong to Christ and nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. God doesn't love you because of your loveliness. He loves you because of the power of Jesus Christ. And He sees you in Christ. And even though we have done things that we should not have done, we live forgiven because we are in Christ. Part of the key idea there is that we live forgiven because the resurrection power of Christ is all about being alive. You're alive in Christ. You understand life in Christ and you understand the life to come in Christ. And so here's the third thing that I want to talk to you about today. The resurrection offers the power for us to live with the end in mind. You see, whenever you understand that death is not the end, that really changes how you live today. It changes where you set the goalpost, right? When you understand that there's eternal life because of Christ, it changes how you view life today. So look with me to verse 10 in your scriptures there. Verse 10 is where I am. He says it this way, my goal, this is what I'm aiming at, is to know him, and here's our concept, and the power of his resurrection. So the Apostle Paul says, in my life, here's what I'm aiming at. I want to know Christ, and I want to experience the power of his resurrection. And right there, he could stop, and that'd make a really good coffee cup, right? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. But he actually keeps on going into some of the practical things that we all deal with, because he says, I don't, only, I don't want to just know the power of his resurrection, but I want to take this power so that I can persevere ultimately into the fellowship of his sufferings and that when I taste death, I will be conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Have, have you discovered this yet? That your life comes alive when it's laid down. That you're really ready to live when you understand the death is not the finish line. Now, in verse 10, I, I've heard people talk about it this way whenever we, when we uh, begin with the end in mind. I've heard some self-help people talk about it this way. They say, what, what you need to do is imagine yourself at the funeral, at your funeral. So just go ahead, and then they tell you, okay, close your eyes, imagine yourself. You're sitting there. Uh, there's that tent. There's that little artificial turf that they put out. Uh, the flowers, uh, who, who are the people sitting there? Uh, what would they be saying about you? How, what kind of legacy do you want to live? 
and then they say, okay, um, uh, you, you now need to live your life imagining how you want that to be. Uh, living with the end in mind is not about imagining yourself at your funeral. Living with the end in mind is about imagining yourself busting out of the grave with Christ. You are alive in Christ. And it's about imagining yourself living forever in Christ. Uh, Living with the end in mind means that as believers, we look forward to reunions in heaven. Uh, Is there anybody in the house today that looks forward to seeing someone that has already passed away in heaven? Anybody in the house today like that? I, I know that I am that way. And this particular year has really focused that for a lot of us because we have gone through the pain of losing family and losing friends to this, this terrible pandemic. But death is not the end because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And we can live knowing that as believers in Christ, there will be a reunion. So Paul says, here's my goal. This is what it means to live with the end in mind. I just want to know him. I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and I want the power of His resurrection. I, I, I'm asking God for this transfer of power, this power that, that drove Jesus to life. I want that power to drive my life because I envision a new life through Him. And then He gets down to the practical and the fellowship of His sufferings. I envision laying my life down for Christ just as he laid his life down for me. And that when my life comes across hardship, uh, even though those struggles are difficult, and I, I don't wish hardship upon you, but when you go through hardship, you also have an opportunity to join Christ in the fellowship of his sufferings. And as you go through those adversities, there are also opportunities to make much of the name of Christ. When people see God's people persevering through suffering, it draws them to a faith that is authentic. And Paul says, I want to lay my life down for Christ. And I want to be able to persevere and have strength when times are tough because the resurrection power is alive within me. And then finally he gets to the end and he says, I envision a life that never ends. I I envision being a part of the resurrection from the dead just like Christ was. The book of Philippians that we're talking about here is a very interesting book. In fact, I I encourage you to read it this week. It's not a long read. It's actually a rather encouraging read whenever you read it. There are a lot of verses here. Man, you're going to get out the highlighter and just start highlighting because there's so much good truth in Philippians. But in chapter 1, Paul is really facing this interesting dilemma. Because he was a missionary, and what he did was he went around and he started new churches. He would get them to a point of maturity, and then he would go and start another church in an unreached, to an unreached people group. That's what Paul did as a missionary. That's what most of our missionaries continue to do today. But in chapter 1, Paul was in a conundrum because he wanted to keep doing his mission work, but he also wanted to go to heaven. And he also knew that uh, he was in prison. He was under house arrest. And he didn't have any guarantees of tomorrow. And so he's in this very reflective mood throughout all of Philippians. And in chapter 1, 
he's able to do something that I envy. He's able to take his life and summarize it in, in just one sentence. So look at chapter 1 and verse 21. Are you there with me? Are you there? If you're, if you're there, let's do something churchy. If you're there, say amen. There you go. Yeah. Didn't you feel nice and spiritual after that? Okay. Verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wow. Can you take your life and summarize it like that? I mean, everything that I've talked about today, I could have just read this to you. So you say, why didn't you, Lash? Okay, well, we're getting to it now. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How would you fill this blank in? If you were looking at your own life, how would you fill it in? For me to live, for me to be alive, is what? Now, there's a lot of things you can place in the blank. And some of them are good things. You could say, well, for me to live is family. Family was created by God. It's not just a social construct. It's something that God created. Marriage is something that God created. So you could say, well, for me to live is my marriage. For me to live is my family. Or you might say, for me to live is my career. I want to do really well in my career, and that's, that's why I'm alive. For me to live is world peace. Or maybe you're a little darker, and you're like, well, for me to live is world domination. For me to live is happiness. I just want to be happy, and that's what being alive is for me. Make sure you check out the Bible's answer here. This will revolutionize your life. This will revolutionize your thinking. This, this will set you free if you can understand it and embrace it and live it. He says, for me to live is Christ. And, and he had become so consumed with that reality that he was able to say the last part. And to die is, is gain. As long as I'm here, my mission is to live for Christ, to experience his resurrection power. And whenever I reach the end of this life here, if this Roman soldier comes tomorrow to take my life, that's okay because to die is gain. That guy was equipped to live. And what's more, is that resurrection power that was available to the Apostle Paul is available to you and to me and to every single person in this room. You can live with the surpassing value of the resurrection. It is such a beautiful thing that we celebrate today. We celebrate life and what it means to be alive. Your life is not an accident. God created you on purpose for a purpose. And my prayer for you today is that you will discover what it means to be alive in Christ. If there's never been that time in your life where you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, let's make today that day. Let's make Easter Sunday 2021 the day where you place your faith in Christ. Maybe you've had that moment in your life, but you've never gone public with your faith. You've never been baptized. 
Let's talk about that. Come see me after church. Talk to me this week. Let's talk about what it means to be baptized and go public with your faith. Maybe you're searching for a church family, a place where you can worship, grow, serve God, and live with other believers. Hitting play on a video does not, does not it, it never replaces what it means to live in community with other believers. And maybe God is leading you to be a part of Murphy Road Baptist Church, that this is where you're supposed to be. Let's have that conversation. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you'd just like us to pray with you about. It is always my honor as a pastor to pray with you, to encourage you, and to help you however I may. I'll be here during the song. You can come talk to me then. I'll be here after church as well. Let's talk. If you can't find me for some reason, send me a note, pastor at murphychurch.com. Uh, if there's somebody that you know in your life that is a, a genuine believer, reach out to them. Say, hey, can you help me know what it means to be a believer in Christ? Can you help me uh, to take that next step of baptism or to be a part of that church family? Because I think God has spoken to me today, and that's the next step that I need to take. You guys have listened so well today. I, I appreciate it. I pray that God has really spoken to your heart. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of prayer? If it's you today that needs to just trust in Christ as Savior and Lord, let's go ahead and make that, this moment yours and just call out to God and say, Lash, I don't know exactly what to say. Just speak from your heart to God. You might say something like, Father, I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. And I pray that in my heart, I will experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Lord, save me. Help me to walk with Christ and to follow you from this day forward. Take a moment to just seal this time to remember that it is right here that you are placing your faith in Christ. In the days ahead when people ask you, when was it? When was it that you trusted in Christ? You can take them to this moment because this is when you're trusting in Christ as Savior and Lord. Father, we bow our heads before you today in celebration of you and in awe of the fact that you can transform death into life that you take something like the cross that is horrific, that is awful to even think about, and you turn that into life everlasting. And then you take that life and you extend it to each of us in the room so that we might have light and life and have it to the full. Help us, Father, to let go of anger, bitterness, Help us, Father, to turn from our sins, to turn to Christ. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in each of our lives. Thank you for this church. May your blessing be upon each and every individual and family that is here today. It is in Jesus' powerful name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as Paul and the band lead us in this hymn.